Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing at this very moment, all that you're going to do in our little bit of time we're going to spend together as well. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Does your life look like this? Now, you may not have that much physical baggage in your house, but how much emotional baggage, how much other baggage are you carrying around in your life all the time, thinking, hey, I've got this, I, I, this is good, that I need this for my walk with Jesus, but it really is becoming a stumbling block, a roadblock to your walk with Him. And really, that's what I want to talk to you about today is experiencing Jesus. How many people want to experience Jesus in a fresh new way? I hope all of you. I hope you got up this morning even to get ready for church, whether you're watching online or you're here, that you came with an expectation, a desire to experience God in a fresh new way. I hope it wasn't like, oh, I hope church is like what it was last week or the week before. Yeah, I hope not. You know, even as I get up and get ready, I kind of, at least I'm supposed to know what's supposed to happen here, right? Even I, as I'm believing, I'm like, Lord, do the unexpected. Do something fresh. Do something new. And have an, an openness of heart for that. Let me tell you something. That shouldn't just be for Sunday morning. That should be for every single day of the week, whether you're going to work or you're a homemaker at home. Well, wherever you are, you're going to school, you should have an expectation of having a fresh new experience with God. How many people want to say amen to that? Absolutely. So, so here's the thing. Do you have that today? You know, you choose. You know, sometimes our emotions and our feelings get in the way of what God wants to do. You know, maybe we've had a day where, you know, we had too much pizza the night before and we didn't sleep very well that night. You know, whatever. You know, we wake up a little groggy and a little bit foggy. And it's like, Lord, I don't think you can move today. I just don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with how you feel. He wants to move regardless of that. In fact, it's on those heavy days, those days where you feel like God's not going to move, when you really know that he's moving. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if you're in like, well, I know God's going to move today, you're looking for it. But when God moves and you don't expect it, you know it's God. And it's so important for us to experience God in our lives. It's a personal relationship the Lord wants to have with each and every one of us. And so with that in mind, I, I want to talk a little bit about baggage that's in our lives. But I'm going to use the, the backdrop of a, of a story, of an account in the Bible. Now before I even get into it, you know, when I say a Bible story, sometimes right away we revert back to our childhood and we, and we, we get the idea, well, it's a story. Meaning, it's not real. It didn't happen. Listen to me. We're going to be reading from the Gospels, and this really happened with real people. And you need to picture yourself in that situation and circumstance. Let me tell you, there's a whole bunch of different people in this story, and we can all relate to one or more of each one of them. So I encourage you, as we look at this, to ask the Lord, where do I fit into this? All right, so go with me to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to be, begin reading in a, in a few moments with verse 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Reading from New King James Version. And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no more room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. 
And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Verse 12, immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never saw anything like this. Amen. What an awesome, awesome account. But I want to look at this just with a fresh set of eyes for a couple of minutes. First of all, Jesus shows up at Capernaum. He's there preaching in someone's house. Uh, and, and there's such a crowd that new people can't get in, can't get in to see Jesus. And so somehow this paralytic or his four friends had heard about Jesus. Because if they hadn't heard, they wouldn't be seeking, right? And so here they are. One of, one of them said, hey, let's go see Jesus. Now, why would they even bother? You got this paralytic. It's their friend who's been paralyzed. We don't know whether for his whole life or whether maybe when he was a kid he had an accident. We really don't know the background of this. All that we know is that this paralytic couldn't get to Jesus by himself. But four others were around him that were willing to take him. Are you willing to bring people to Jesus today? See, there are people in your life that are paralyzed, maybe spiritually, emotionally, mentally. They can't get to Jesus on their own. And they need your help. It could be today that the message for you is that are you willing to be one of the four to help that person get to Jesus. I believe there's not enough mat carriers today. You know, a lot of us want to be in the presence of God, and, and I'm all about the presence of God, but how many of us are thinking, hey, I need to help that person get into the presence of God? And I wonder whether we need to take a step back at times and say, Lord, this isn't supposed to be about me, it's all about you, and if it's all about you, what do you want me to do? That's hard sometimes to do. Because we got needs, right? You know, we, we, need, we need help from Jesus. And sometimes we forget that maybe there's others worse off than we are that can't get to him on their own. Or maybe today you're the one laying on the mat and you can't get to Jesus. And you're just thankful for God, for the people around you that were willing to help you get there. How many people came to this church as a result of someone inviting them? Just put your hand up. Oh, I see there were some mat carriers. Thank you, Jesus. For those people who did that. You see right here is evidence of what the very thing that I'm talking about. Now as we, we look at this story. It's interesting if you look at, at verse 5. Well actually yeah. Let's go back to verse 4 for a minute. You know, it says they couldn't come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof. And, and what did they do? They had to break through the roof. This was what's known as a thatched roof. In fact, in some countries of the world, they still use these kinds of roofs. If you see uh, in England, some of the old buildings out in the countryside, it's basically straw that's been woven in and, and stacked in such a way so when it rains, the water runs off it. But these roofs, you know, they get, over time, they're probably only about four inches thick when they started, but over time they get added to. So it's not unusual for a thatched roof to be like a foot thick. 
of this straw. Now, these roofs are, I'll call them growing roofs. Now, the reason why I call it that is that over time, moss begins to grow there. You've got uh, animals begin to burrow in and and make their home there. So so it's not just nice, clean straw. You get what I'm saying? It's moldy. It's full of dirt from the wind that's been blowing. There's animals in it, uh, you know, all the stuff connected to animals that they leave there. It's nasty, all right? It's just nasty. And so we got these four men with this paralytic, they can't get to Jesus through conventional ways. So what does one of them decide? We're going down through the roof. Now, it's not like our roof here with some metal sheeting where they could just pop it up and lower you down. They literally had to begin to dig up all that material that had been there for, for years, maybe dozens of years, pulling that up. And it's not just to make a little hole so they could see Jesus. This hole has to be big enough for four people to lower a guy down through it. So we're talking a, a big hole, maybe, maybe two, three feet wide, maybe five, six feet long to lower this. Can I tell you that a lot of junk was going to fall to the ground as they're digging it up? Can you imagine that? Maybe Jesus is right underneath there, right? And there's stuff falling down on his head, right? And upon all the other people, and everyone's, you know, cursing, and you know, not Jesus, but everyone else like, what's going on? You know, who's doing that? Can you imagine the owner of the house? He's freaking out. What are you doing to my house, right? You get all this going on. Now, that's not in the Bible, but I can tell you that happened. We can watch the film when we get to heaven, and I I can tell you I'm pretty close on this. There's going to be some upset people, and yet that didn't deter these four men from lowering that man to Jesus. How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to help bring other people to Jesus? Let me tell you something. It may inconvenience you sometimes. You may not have all the sleep that you need maybe sometime. You may not be able to do what you plan to do that day to help this other person to get where Jesus is. But let me tell you something. There is a reward. Because here is what it says in verse 5. And it says this, that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. In other words, faith without action, as James says, is what? Dead. In other words, we need to be active in what God has called us to do. And so so here's these, these four men, and Jesus sees their faith. Does Jesus see your faith and my faith today? Because he sees it through our actions. And let me tell you something, if we're lowering people through roofs to Jesus, that's real faith in action. That may mean different things to each and every one of us, and the Lord will speak to you about that. And just so you know, we have lots of entrances here at Reach Out, so please don't break through the roof, okay? You don't need to. We will open the doors for you to come in. Now, what about the crowd that was there? I suspect that when they tried to bring the paralytic in, that they tried to go to the door first. I'm absolutely sure of it. They tried to go to the door first. But for whatever reason, those people wouldn't make way for that paralytic. So again, are we one of those people? We're just in the crowd. You know, I'm just here for Jesus. And then when there's someone in need, we're like, hey, I'm just here for Jesus. You know, just blocking them from being able to enter into the presence of God. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. I remember being in church this years ago, and the pastor was preaching, and he was talking about the importance of forgiveness. And, and there's a scripture that talks about, you know, leave your gift before the altar and be restored to that brother or sister and then come and worship God. I'm paraphrasing, but, but that's basically what the scripture says. And I remember that day, I, I, I'm there in the presence of the Lord, right? I, I'm there at service, and the Lord spoke to me and said, son, didn't you hear what he said? And I'm like, yeah. 
And I realized right then I needed to leave the presence of God. I needed to go and deal with that and then come back. And I did. And God was so faithful. But what happens is sometimes we get so fixated. Hey, God, this is, this is me and you. This is me and you. And we forget about all those around us. And we need to remember that they're just as important to Jesus as you are. And if we'll be a mat carrier for others, then he'll carry us when we need to be carried. Isn't that good to know? You know, it's all about that. It's all about the others before ourselves. So are we willing to be the mat carrier for Jesus? But so often, here's what's happened. We're carrying so much stuff ourselves that we can't even carry our own stuff, let alone help carry someone else. And Jesus today is asking us to lay down all the baggage, all the burdens, all the things that we carry around. Been carrying around for some of us for decades of time. And what can those things represent? What are some of the things? You know, when they gave the skit, some of the things were good things, right? You know, different Bible versions and those kinds of things they were talking about. But what I want to focus on are some of those burdens that we carry that are not of God. Why does the Bible say that we're supposed to have childlike faith? You ever wondered about that? All through the scriptures, we're supposed to have childlike faith. Why is that? Well, listen to me. A child is what? Innocent. A child doesn't have the ifs and the buts and the maybes or the could'ves or the should'ves. If you as a good parent, you've been good to your kid, right? And, and you've never told your kid a lie that everything you've said was true. And you said to that child, hey, I want you to do this. What does that child say? Yes, mom. Yes, dad. I'll do it. They never question it and say, well, what if this happens, dad or mom? Or what if that happens? No, they never had any, quote, bad experiences. That's why we're to have childlike faith in approaching the presence of God, in experiencing God. No ifs and buts or maybes or could'ves. We're supposed to have childlike faith. But here's the problem. As we go through life, we've been, we've been hurt. We got burned a few times, right? And then all of a sudden, we have the could've, would've, should'ves, and it becomes baggage in our lives. And so when we pray for someone, instead of just saying, hey, in the name of Jesus, be healed, we're like, oh, Lord, what if this? Or what if that? Or what if... And all of a sudden, we begin to put all these excuses into place, and we're carrying baggage around that we need to let go. How many people are relating to this? I know I am. As I'm talking to you now, I, I'm sensing, even in my own life, different areas of baggage that I carry that I need to let go and leave it at the cross. You'll notice it's been strategically placed, you know, at the, at the foot of the cross. And that's what each every one of us need to do. Now, looking at verse 5 again, just pop verse 5 up again. Jesus sees their faith. And then he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What has that got to do with the paralytic being healed? You ever wondered about that? You're reading it, and it's like, well, no, Jesus, I'm not worried about sin right now. Like, I can't move. Can, Can you fix that? But what does Jesus focus on? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. You know why? Because that's the most important healing that you'll ever receive. You see, we're a body, soul, and spirit. You know, we have a physical tent, this tent that you can see right here. And we have a soul, which our mind, our will, our emotions, our feelings, all of that. And then we have our spirit, where the spirit of God lives. And the most important thing of all is for your soul to be saved, to go into eternal life, to be with Jesus. And so, what does Jesus focus on? Son, your sins are forgiven. In other words, you have a ticket to go to heaven. That's the most important healing that any person can receive. 
Now, what's interesting is the, the religious people freak out, right? They're like, who's this guy? Who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? And Jesus knows what they're thinking because he knows everything, right? And he says, well, look at, you know, I'm paraphrasing again, but just, just so you know that it's just as easy for me to forgive sins or to heal, rise up and be healed. To demonstrate that he did forgive sins. But for Jesus, let me, let me just say something. For Jesus, physical healing, salvation healing, you know, emotional healing, all the different kinds of healings to him is one and the same. It's not like this one's harder than the other. It's all the same. But he does have a priority. That the healing of the soul is the first and foremost important thing. In fact, elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus says it's better to be able to go to heaven maybe without an arm or a leg than to go to hell with all your arms and legs. So what was he saying? Is he saying that healing, physical healing is unimportant? No, he's not saying that at all. But he's saying that your soul being healed is the absolute priority. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Because that is where you spend all of eternity. Now, I'd, I'd like to go for the whole package. If Jesus is concerned about body, soul, and spirit, then let's get the soul healed, and then let's get the body healed, right? And so let's believe God together that God is still in that business. And let me tell you something, he still is. The Bible says he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as he healed that paralytic back here in the scriptures some 2,000 years ago, he is still healing people today. And we see that over and over and over again. God is faithful. So as I look at this story and I begin to think about the roadblocks that are in our lives, what are some of the roadblocks? What is some of the baggage? In other words, if we were to put labels on some of this, what might it be? And I think this is important because sometimes, you know, I, I can be a little bit like picture type and I, and I give you this picture, but I don't always explain a few details. And I want to take a few moments to maybe describe what some of this baggage is in our lives. And in recognizing it, we can leave it behind. Amen? So let's start here. Repentance or lack of is really what I'm talking about. Lack of repentance is a baggage that we can carry. And you might say, well, repentance, wasn't that John the Baptist? Didn't he talk about it? And he did, right? He said what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many people have read that in the opening? Okay, do you know that in Matthew, okay, in Matthew 2, all right, that it says that, John the Baptist speaks, you go to the very next chapter, guess what? It's said again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know who said that? Jesus did. A lot of times people preach that, that uh, you know, John the Baptist had, you know, the a ministry of the baptism of repentance, and Jesus had something else. no. The only difference was that John the Baptist was saying, hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's someone coming who's going to talk to you about that. And then when Jesus said it, he said, I am. <laughs> repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, that's the only difference. John was just proclaiming the coming of Jesus, but it was the same message. So repentance is still a valid, critical message for you and I today. It's the first words of Jesus proclaimed out of his mouth when he began to teach and to preach. So I think it's pretty important. And so they have a scripture they, they put up there, and, and look at this. Acts 3, verse 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love this, right? So this is Peter. He's preaching the first sermon. 
Thousands get saved out of what he says, but here's what he says. Repent. That just means turn direction, change your thinking, have a different way of doing things, right? And therefore, be converted. And I, and I just love that word converted. You know, it, it just means to be restored, to be put back to the way it originally was. And what picture can you and I have of what God's original plan was for you and me? You don't have to read very far in the scriptures. Use open Genesis, and you see God taking everything that was empty and confused, and by His Spirit, He brings life and light into it. And you see Adam and Eve created in the garden, right? So there they are in the garden, and, and they're completely, what? Naked, and they felt no shame or any guilt. And God would walk with them in the cool of the day. Talk about no baggage. They didn't even have clothes on their backs. You, you get what I'm saying? Like literally no clothes even. They didn't have any baggage whatsoever, literally none. And they walked and talked with God, and they had need of nothing. And then what happens, right? You keep reading a little further. Sin comes into the world, and immediately there's baggage. Fig leaves, that was their first baggage, right? The first clothing to cover their nakedness and their shame. And so all of a sudden, that became you know, animal clothing, and, and it became more and more and more. And, and here we are today, still carrying all kinds of baggage around. And yet, just as you saw in that drama, Jesus has come to set us free, to see that baggage be stripped away once again. Now, I hope none of you leave here thinking that I'm suggesting that you uh, make reservations in the Caribbean somewhere and attend a nudist colony, and that that will be your close, close as you can get to being like Adam and Eve. I am not suggesting that at all, all right? That would be kind of scary. Uh, don't do that, all right? But spiritually speaking, we are to be completely open and transparent to our God. You want to experience Jesus? If this is all you get out of this morning, if you want to experience Jesus, then hold nothing back from him. And you might say, but what about this? Or what about that? Like John had that one backpack still left on his back. Listen to me. If you really want to experience Jesus, you've got to show him everything. This guy's, here I am, Jesus. Please help me. And he'll come alongside of you and he will assist you and help you I promise you, he will not forsake you in any way. It's just not in his nature. But if you won't be transparent with him, then what happens is it's not God, it's not God's side, but when you're not transparent with him, you're all of a sudden, all this baggage becomes in the way of you being able to see God and experience him. That's why the baggage has to go. That's why all this stuff, you just got to begin to let it go as the Lord shows you. Let me tell you something. Some of us have bigger piles of baggage than this. And for some of us, we may have just this little, little thing, but it's hindering you from experiencing God. And the minute you know it is, that's when you got to eject it. You just got to let it go. Okay. So repentance, right? The times of refreshing. Can you pop that scripture up? Now, here's what I love about this. This word refreshing, I love this. Your sins will be blotted out that, so that times of refreshing. That word translates to the word revival that you will have revival in the presence of the Lord. And that word presence is the face of God. So it isn't that, that you're, you know, God is nearby, but literally you will be revived by the very presence of God before you. In the original language, it's literally like you've had a heart attack, you're laying on the ground, you're dead, and somebody comes along, does chest compressions, 
breathes into you and you and you're brought back to life. That's literally what this scripture is saying. And that's what happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And it's what happens when we eject the baggage that's in our life. Revival comes back into our lives. How many people want to experience revival? Well, it's fine, you know, if you feel you want to travel somewhere where, where God seems to be moving. I encourage you to do that if you feel led to do that. But let me tell you something. Revival begins in your heart right here and right now. Right here and right now. When you say, Lord, I want to be just transparent before you. I don't want to be encumbered by anything in my life any longer. And you know what the Lord says? Just like Russell being Jesus. Okay, I'm here for you. What are some other baggage names that we maybe need to deal with in our lives. How about this? Worldly habits and lifestyles. 1 Peter 2 verse 11 says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So listen to me. Here, here's the thing. We're told right away, we're just temporaries here. We're, we're, we're like I was but when I moved first from Canada. I was a resident alien. That's what they called me, all right? That's literally the term that is given to people who come from a different country. And that's literally what we are here. We are just passing through. Our citizenship is not of this place, but where? Of heaven. That's what the word says. So it's temporary. So if you're in a place, a temporary place, do you take on the customs and the way of life of that temporary place? No, you're just an observer. You're just passing through. And that's how we need to see this life that we live in. And so the world and all its trappings and all the things that they do, we need to do what? Keep away from worldly desires. In other words, we're going to be attracted to it. But once we get sucked in and we get doing all the things that the world does, it hinders us from experiencing God. And not only that, we are no longer a witness to the world around us. See, this isn't now just about you and Jesus. This is about you and the world that you're reflecting God's life to. And when we're no different from the world, then what we reflect is godlessness. But when we have Jesus in our heart and we're living for him and loving on him, then that's what gets reflected to the world around us. You see, the world can't see Jesus directly because their sin blots him out. But they can see you and they can see me and the life of God that's in us. And that's what God's called us to do. And unless we get rid of that baggage, of, if we carry on in, in the ways of the world, then we're not reflecting the true Jesus of who he is. Amen? All right. How about this one? We don't like this one. Ignorance. Nobody likes that word. How many people have ever been called ignorant? I don't like it. It's like, ah. Yet the Bible says this in Ephesians 4 verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. It could be translated blindness. Uh, it could be translated stupidity even. That word ignorance. And so here's the thing. Darkened. Their understanding, their knowledge of what? Who God is and from the life of God because of ignorance. In other words, we allow false teaching. We allow our experiences. We allow things that have happened or not happened in our life to become baggage in our life. And we become ignorant to the true nature of who God is. We need to find out who he is so we can experience him. And how do we do that? Through his word and by his spirit. You need both. You need both to experience God in a way. This last one is probably the most challenging of all. It is for me anyways. 
Roadblocks to experiencing God. Here's the last one. Hurt and brokenheartedness. Psalms 34, verse 18, it says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He delivers those whose spirit has been crushed. If you've been in this life any length of time, then you've been stomped on. You've been hurt. Stuff has happened. Does anyone agree with me on it? You've had some stuff happen? Anybody here? I got about five people put their hand up. I don't know where the rest of you have been. Maybe living in a hole somewhere so no one could get to you. I don't know. But all I can tell you is that all of us at different points in our life have been hurt. We've been bruised. We've been broken. The list goes on and on. Different reasons. Some of it maybe we brought upon ourselves. Maybe others because they were abusive. You know, the list goes on and on of where all these things could have come from. But regardless of it, it becomes baggage in your life and in mine. Now, we could spend the rest of our life blaming the other people who dropped the baggage off into our lives, but that's not going to change the fact that you're carrying this baggage around. So at some point in your life, you've got to take that baggage to the Lord and say, Lord, this happened in my life. I was hurt deeply by this. I still hurt right now. What am I to do? And you let Jesus take that bag, and then you let him love on you and minister to you to deal with that hurt and pain and brokenness. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, I, I, I can't do that. No, you can't. You can't on your own. But with the help of Jesus, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's what the scripture says. And whatever hurt you have, whatever brokenness you have, I promise you that if you will even try to reach out to God with it, he will help you. He will. Whatever little faith you've got, he will help you to overcome in that area. So what baggage is in your life? What obstacles are hindering you from experiencing God to a fresh new level? Could it be that you just need to have a greater self-consciousness of those around you to be able to help others to come into the presence? Then all of a sudden, God will usher you in. It's the most amazing thing when you put others first, then God raises up people to help you. This is a miracle thing that happens, right? As you sow into others, God sows into you. Let's just stand together. Grab your communion cup. And Sandra, I forgot mine down there, so she'll run it up to me. Thank you, sweetie. You know, we're going to be partaking in communion here in a moment. And as you open up, the one part of it has the little wafer in it. I ask you this question. What, what do you need to leave at the foot of the cross? What baggage, what obstacles in your life do you need to lay at the cross? You see, we have the privilege of being able to do this because of his body and his blood, because of the relationship that we have with him. And if there's anybody here listening to my voice and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. You've got a lot of baggage in your life. I remember that day I, I felt like I had the weight of the world on me. And that day when I said, Jesus, I need you, come into my heart, I felt like I could jump to the moon, the weight of sin that came out. I didn't know what it was. I just could, I felt like I could jump. And I didn't realize till later that that was the burden of sin that I was carrying. So if you're here within the sound of my voice and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, do it right now. You don't need somebody to lay hands on you. You don't need, you don't need any of that, that stuff right, right here and right now. It's between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, in your heart, just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my wrongdoing. Come into my life. Change me. 
I want to follow you. You pray a prayer similar to that. My prayer was more like help, Jesus. And he got all the other stuff through that. And I was changed from that point on. And he'll do the same for you. So as we take this wafer, Jesus' body was broken for you. He took a punishment on the cross at Calvary so you could have an experience with him. Not just one, but thousands of them over and over again with him. Let's take and eat together. This grape juice is just a sign, a symbol of his blood to remind us that he gave his all so that we could have his all. Let's drink together. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that each and every one of us leave lighter than what we came in with. <laughs> that, Father God, that that part, whichever we're to leave right here, right now, that we leave it in the name of Jesus. And we walk out lighter. We walk out with a spring in our step, Lord God, knowing that you have unburdened us. So, Lord, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So let us walk with your yoke and your burden, Lord God, from this point forward in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.